This is episode 155 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are, Clothing will not be optional in a post-SHTF world. It will be critical. And, How to make your own gas in seven easy steps with a biogas generator. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I jump into the podcast, just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I received uh, a, another review on iTunes, and uh, this is from LDS Prepper. And uh, Well, let me read it first and let me come back to it. It says, thank you for all your hard work. It is so nice to be able to listen to articles while I am working. I still learn a lot even after 35 years of prepping. All right, so again, like I said, that's from LDS Prepper. And if that is the LDS Prepper that was on YouTube, um, LDS Prepper used to live here in Houston. And uh, if you're listening, uh, we met one time very, very briefly at the, um, at the uh, there was a preparedness fair at the LDS Cannery. Uh, one year, I mean, it was years ago. I, I think I barely started Prepper website, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't belong to the LDS Church, but uh, I knew a lot of other people that were going there, and so I went uh, to go meet them and, and just kind of walk around, see what was going on. I'd never been to a fair there, and uh, so LDS Prepper was there, and he had like a tower garden that he had created out of P- PVC pipe. It was, it was great. I mean, it was, it was, you know, it, it looked great. Uh, later on, I bought a tower garden and never got it to look as lush and as green uh, as as he did. Uh, but he always, I mean, he's got a great YouTube channel, always had, uh, while he was here in Houston, um, had a great backyard with tons of, of uh, vegetables and big old garden, a lot of fruit <laughs> uh, trees, he even had bees, and he was in the suburbs. And uh, so I remember linking to a lot of his articles on Prepper website. Uh, I know that uh, I know that he moved. Uh, I think moved to Arizona. I'm not sure. I, I think Arizona, but um, uh, I haven't haven't really seen a lot from from the YouTube page. Probably because I haven't been doing too much YouTube uh, videos. Just kind of using those on the website. But uh, if that's you, hey, thanks so much for 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 being a, a part of the podcast. LDS Prepper over there, and then uh, you can go check out his YouTube channel because he had a lot of great. Uh, you know, preparedness videos out there. They were very, very helpful. Uh, there was even one on solar, on his solar uh, panels and his battery bank and all that kind of stuff uh, that he, that he had. Uh, the battery bank. I remember. I remember that one. It was a big battery bank, and he was testing it out uh, one weekend when his wife was out. I mean, I posted that one a long time ago. So, uh, and if and if that's not you, if this is another LDS prepper. I apologize for all that, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, and and being a part of the uh, of the podcast and uh, giving us five stars, I, I really do appreciate that. And I, I want to tell you, I, I got another, I got a comment on episode 145 uh, today, and it just blew me away. And th- this is the kind of stuff that uh, that man that really keeps me going for a long, long time. And it was from Mandy. Uh, she said, "I'm a new listener and essentially a new prepper. I found your podcast through my Google All Access." I do a huge amount of my study on wide variety of topics via podcast. With a household of seven and a full schedule, 
I have little time for reading or watching much of anything. If I can listen on the move, I'm able to gather more information. I really appreciate the personal approach uh, you apply to your podcast. It feels like a visit with a friend in a way. The current events updates are very valuable, and I have learned so much more in a short amount of time by gleaning from your material. Thank you for your work. And uh, Mandy, again, that's like I said when I when I saw your uh, when I saw the comment come across uh, my email, and I went to uh, went to go uh, approve it. I, it just made my day. And so thanks so much for that. And uh, I I do appreciate you know there I knew I know there's a lot of new preppers who are who are listening, uh, and you're finding the podcast through a bunch of different uh, you know different podcast catchers out there. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google, all access, and um, so I'm, I'm glad you are you are a part of a, the podcast. I'm glad that you are able to uh, to glean some learning from uh, from the articles that we're sharing. So uh, again, thanks so much for leaving the comment. I really do appreciate it. Hey, yesterday I said that um, you know we got to be paying attention to Puerto Rico because we might be learning some some things. Of, you know how things go on. Uh, you know, if the grid ever goes down, you know, things are kind of still sane there. Uh, you know, they know that people are coming from a, um, uh, you know, from from the United States and their ships and coming. But I mean, it's pretty desperate. Now, th- this morning I saw uh, I don't really like Geraldo Rivera, but I saw him uh, on Twitter and there was like a three minute video that he was broadcasting from Puerto Rico. And, and so he was visiting family members and bringing them water. The, you know, the, one of the older family members was was uh, saying, "Hey, we're running out of water until you brought the water. Thanks so much for that." And uh, it's just it's just crazy. One of the things uh, I was reading an article here by the AP, and I'll go ahead and uh, I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to go take a look at it. Um, and I was going to read a little bit more than than uh, than I am right now, but um, I, I just wanted to 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 just say this right here. So um, the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, or PREPA, has more than 2,400 miles of major transmission lines and more than 30,000 miles of smaller distribution wires that connect homes and businesses to the grid. Much of the network is down. That is a lot. And so they were saying that the, the actual power station is not down. It's still operational. The problem is all these wires that are going from the power station to, you know, to the cities or, or running, you know, I guess along the streets and all that kind of stuff. And then the smaller ones that are going from uh, the, the main power lines to the homes, all those are down. And they're talking about there, there are some places that do have power already. So they, they have restored some power to hospitals um, because, I mean, there's people there that would die if they didn't have uh, if they didn't have power. So that's one of the things to think about is some of those, uh, you know, those very important uh, places like hospitals, uh, you know, if there's any other kind of, you know, laboratories and, and, and those kinds of things that are holding uh, important uh, things that need to be refrigerated or whatever, those things are going to get uh, power first, right? And they're, they're going to be first priority, uh, especially the hospitals. But then after that, it's just going to kind of filter through, and depending on where you are, is going to be, depend on on when you get your power. And so they're saying maybe four to six months. I mean, this article was talking about maybe four to six months for some areas of the island. 
And uh, that is absolutely crazy. I did speak with, uh, I've mentioned him before, the guy that uh, he works in the, in the cafe at, at, um, in, in my office building. He did get to speak to his mom and everybody is fine. So he was very, uh, he's still worried because he knows that they're, they're in, a ba- in bad shape. Um, but, you know, it's, he's, he's still worried about that, but he's glad that, uh, that they're safe. Um, somebody posted, and I posted this on the, on the Facebook page, uh, not in the group, but on the page, that they were going to be sending uh, planes that had, uh, I guess, like wireless uh, communications. I guess they were like cell towers inside of planes, and they were going to be flying around um, Puerto Rico so people could make phone calls out. Now, um, how would you charge your cell phones and different things like that? This is one of those places where an inverter would be very, very powerful. Um, you know, if you have a vehicle that can hold, you know, 15, 20 gallons worth of gas, and uh, before the storm you filled it up and you parked it and it didn't, it didn't get any, uh, it didn't get flooded, uh, and you're able to start it up, you can hook up a, an inverter to it and charge those small electronics uh, that that you need. And so that's you know very very uh, important there. I think everybody should have an inverter. You know they're bringing in generators and those kinds of things in. Some people do have generators, but then you have the issue of gas. Eventually, gas is going to run out. Now we get to talk a little bit about that a little bit later on in the podcast. I do have an article that I want to touch on, but you know uh, for charging those small things, especially cell phones. Cell phones are so important to us nowadays. A lot of the times in uh preparedness that gets poo-pooed on man it's like you know oh yeah you're not going to survive with your cell phone well uh, you know unless there's an emp yeah your cell phone is a very very powerful tool so don't don't disregard that having ways to power your cell phone uh you know is is a big deal i know that uh, i relied on it during harvey um, it was it was uh, important for me to be able to have that communication out there. I was able to get online. I was able to find out what was going on. Uh, you know how how much more it was going to rain and all those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, very important there. I'm going to link to this article if you're interested in, but I in, interested in it. But I think uh, you know we keep our eyes on Puerto Rico and how things are happening over there and uh, how people are responding. I think it's it. There's always when there's hope that. There's going to be supplies coming. I think that helps people to not get, uh, you know, out of control and too anxious. But uh, you know, it, it's still it's still crazy over there. So uh, we haven't heard some of the uh, of what's going on on some of the other islands uh, before uh, Puerto Rico was hit. Uh, there were some reports coming out that it wasn't good. So uh, I'm still curious about that. Um, I do want to mention that uh, the little crazy man in North Korea. Uh, said that he is telling his people, and and uh, so if you're a part of the Facebook group, you saw a video. Uh, we have full spectrum survival automatically anytime they they post, and suspicious observer anytime they post automatically gets sent to the Facebook group. And so uh, full spectrum survival did a, a quick video on that, uh, talking about that because the, the crazy little man uh, he is telling all his people that the United States has declared war. So all the people in North Korea are, they believe that they are at war with the United States. And I mean, how crazy is that? So this guy is not letting, letting up at all. I mean, you would think that if you wanted to, you know, you wanted to push a little bit, okay, push and then, and then pull back a little bit and let's, you know, let's, let's do that. 
But this guy just keeps ratcheting it up, you know, every time, every, uh, it's almost every week. I mean, there's something new. But anyway, so uh, I know Daisy Luther over at or the organicprepper.ca, or organicprepper.ca, uh, put out an article as well that he uh, that he was de- that he was saying that the United States was declaring war. So you have that. Hey, also uh, there was a uh, I read an article that um, the the lone Steeler, Pittsburgh Steeler that went out. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, all stayed in their locker room during the national anthem. I guess they thought that that was going to be better than coming out and, uh, uh, you know, kneeling or whatever. But uh, there was one guy, uh, Villanueva, Alejandro Villanueva, who uh, he is an ex-Army Ranger, uh, Army veteran. Uh, he decided to come out. And so he was he was just kind of like outside the locker room area or where you go, you know, into the locker room area. And uh, so they got a lot of pictures of him. Uh, you know, saluting the flag or, or you know, uh, hand over your heart uh, during the, the national anthem. And uh, so what they were saying is that uh, his jersey is like skyrocketed as far as the highest selling jersey. So let me see. An unintended result of that bold stand has been a meteoric rise of jersey sales. As of 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, Villanueva's jersey was the highest selling jersey among all Pittsburgh Steelers on Fanatics.com, according to 247 Sports. Villanueva's jersey sales rocketed into the top sellers in the entire league as of 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so, I mean, he's become like this uh, this hero, right? Um, uh, because he came out and he uh, he was respecting the flag. And so there's, a, again, this is, this is a topic that doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. But I think uh, it really it, it really goes to the fact that um, you know when these people start seeing uh, start feeling their pocketbooks when these sport when these sports players uh, these football players start feeling their pocketbooks getting hit by um, you know people pulling their ads and people not wanting to support them and those kinds of things all that will start to change so we'll see what happens there I know Dallas Cowboys for Monday Night Football. They all took a knee, not during the anthem, but they wanted to do it in solidarity. And they're in Arizona, and everyone was booing them. I saw that on Twitter. Everyone was booing while they were doing that. And so, again, they didn't do it during the knee or during the, the national anthem, but they decided to do it during uh, just as a, as a show of solidarity. And uh, they, they got booed in Arizona. So uh, that's, that's crazy that they would do something like that. Um, I, I, you know, at some point you're just like, are, are you doing it just to do it? You know, do you really believe in it? I mean, you know, you just you just kind of wonder that. But anyway, I still think it's it's part. You know, Trump got involved with it, and that's part distraction. So I don't know. Well, that that will be that will remain to be seen. Hey, just like Mandy had said uh, about uh, in in the comment that she left about uh, current events. If you are interested in current events, and especially if you're interested in current events. As they pertain to um, Bible prophecy, John Haller does a great job on that on his video every Sunday. He puts it out there, and uh, I used to link to it on the prophecy update on Prepper Church, uh, but I, I just haven't been doing it. But th- th- I think I might start doing that again on Ed that matters uh, and uh, releasing those. But I'm going to. I thought this one was was pretty good. This one was interesting. And uh, for this last Sunday, because he talks about all the, the current events and how they all apply. 
Uh, and so he, and, and sometimes it's political, a lot of the times it's political as well, and how it kind of applies and how it kind of uh, all blends in. But I'm going to link that to you in the show notes if you want to go check that one out over at YouTube. All right, so our first article of the, the podcast comes to us from American Preppers Online and uh, AmericanPreppersOnline.com. And uh, the title is Clothing Will Not Be Optional in a Post-SHTF World. It Will Be Critical. So I want to read this, and I also want to touch on some of the comments that were in this article, uh, below in this article. All right, so let's go ahead and start reading this one. Hello, my friend, and welcome back. I watched a movie the other night about a disaster, and halfway through the movie, the people were running around in rags or worn-out clothes. When disaster hits and it all goes to hell, you will not only be needing clothes, but it will be a necessity to have the right kind as well. This is the subject of today's post, so grab some coffee and have a seat while we visit. Let's start with why you need to keep clothing in your preps. I can tell you from experience that there is not much that is worse than being caught outdoors while being wet, freezing, or both. It simply makes you miserable all the way to the bone. It can make a bad situation feel insurmountable. You should keep several changes of clothing, including socks and underwear, in a watertight container with your preps at all times for you and your family members. Sometimes many people don't really get much thought to, to it is to keep the right clothes as well. What do I mean by that? To start with, you will want to keep some clothing that is too small for you, maybe one or two sizes at least. You see, when the SHTF, one thing is for certain, and there is no one, no one is going to be gaining weight for quite a while. In fact, pretty much all of us will begin losing weight as we start rationing our food supplies and exerting much more energy than normal. Gone will be the days of sitting, looking at computer monitors, or watching TV. This will be replaced with long days of busting your butt, hunting, fishing, and gardening, not to mention maintaining security. You will lose weight whether you want to or not. This makes the need for smaller size clothing mandatory if you want to be comfortable while working your butt off. What other things should be considered when selecting what clothing items to store up? You will need to plan for the fact that there will be no air conditioning in all likelihood, and no central heat as well. You need to dress for the extremes of each season. In the summer, you're going to want to have lightweight and breathable clothing for working outside and inside. There are many on the market as well as clothing that repels water and dries quickly. A summer hat that protects the back of your neck and your face should be in your preps too. I know a lot of people will be packing shorts, but be sure to add long pants and long sleeves to your clothing items because the presence of bugs and mosquitoes will increase dramatically. With all of the dead animals and possibly human bodies lying around, flies will be carrying germs and sickness and you will want to protect yourself from that as well. We'll, we'll also protect you. This will also protect you from sunburns. The winter will be hard if you're not prepared with the right clothing. Staying comfortable in the winter will be just as much of a challenge as staying cool in the summer. Because you will be exerting a lot of energy outside and sweating, the overstuffed coat of yours will not be what you want to wear. One of the worst mistakes you can make is to work up a sweat and then let yourself get cold in the winter. Once again, the common cold could become deadly. Wear clothing that, while still providing a decent level of warmth, will still allow you to vent the heat that your body will be creating. You need to plan for it because chopping wood to cook with or warm your home will be, will be hot, sweaty work. A warm hat that covers the ears, ski mask to protect your nose and eyes, all are a good idea, not to mention warm work gloves and wool socks. 
Everyone being from different areas of the country will have to decide based on what their weather is like. Like here, the summers are the worst. My wife cannot tolerate the heat. Pray for me. LOL. Take the, I'm, I'm with you, Sarge. Uh, take the time to sit down and work through the different types of environment challenges you may face and then plan accordingly. Don't leave the chance that you will have what you need when the time comes because it could cost you your life. Think and prepare wisely for any and all situations and just maybe you will survive when so many others do not. I recently read where the president of Venezuela told their people to eat their pets to keep from starving. I guess he doesn't get out much because those were eaten a while back and it could happen here as well. Well, that's it for today and I hope you, had, you found this post helpful. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepared. God bless America. Sarge. A couple of things uh, here when he was talking about um, uh, winter, winter clothing. Um, you want to dress in layers. So you want to be able to dress in a way that if you're, if you're doing work outside and you start to warm up, um, the, you know, like he said, you don't want that big, the big uh, puffy coat or whatever. You want to dress in layers so that you can pull the layers off and, uh, and, and not start to break a sweat. Um, but that way you still have you know, layers to protect you so you're not cold, but you're not uh, you know, so, uh, so warm that you start breaking a sweat on that. And that goes for summer as well. And I like the fact that he talked about, um, he talked about the, sh the long, long pants and the long sleeve sh uh, shirts as well. Um, you know, and maybe wearing a, you know shirts underneath that that might wick, uh, you know, sweat away and those kinds of things kind of keep you cool. But uh, very very important because a lot of times people talk about bug outs, right? And so uh, people will talk about a bug out scenario, and you also hear that you know if you are bugging out that uh, whenever the seasons change that you need to go through your uh, through your your clothes through your your um, your bug out bag and change out the clothes. So if it's summertime, make sure it's summer friendly clothing. If it's wintertime, make sure you have winter friendly clothing in your bug out bag. But the thing is, is that if you're bugging out, are you bugging out for good? Uh, are you, you know, are you going to be gone somewhere? Are you going somewhere where there are going to be uh, changes of clothes for you, right? So for instance, um, right now in the Houston area, I mean, it's still 90 degrees, 95 degrees. Uh, very easily for me to get out there and start breaking a sweat if I'm doing any kind of you know walking or any kind of exercise out there. I sweat very very easily. So if I have my bug out bag and I'm thinking about you know uh, bugging out right now um, in in uh, Houston you know in the Houston in this season right now of fall. Um, very easily, if I'm going to you know a retreat area, let's just say I'm having to walk out or whatever, um, you know it can start turning cool very very quickly. You know, am I going to have uh, changes of clothes to be able to change into? Am I going to be able to get to if my retreat area? Do I have clothes there to change into? Uh, those kind of things uh, that you need to be thinking about uh, all the time. Have some good socks. Um, you know, one of the things that was, you know, let me jump to the comments because one of the things that was mentioned in the comment section is that clothes just is not, they're not made very well anymore. And so they, they just, they get torn up very, very quickly. I mean, how many socks do you have? Dress socks that, uh, you know, get holes in them very quickly or underwear that gets holes in them very quickly. And, and, uh, it's just, you know, things are just made nowadays that just to be used up and thrown away. Uh, one of the, the commenters made a, uh, 
uh, a comment here. Um, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, there is no arguing that proper clothing is a vital component of post-SHTF survival. I would submit that within one or two months, there will be an abundance of clothing available to survivors. Those clothes, gloves, boots, and hats will be in the closets of millions of abandoned homes formerly owned by now deceased people. So, you know, people kind of weighed in on that. Um, you know, other, some, like Sarge said, you know, it might be like more than six months. Um, the thing is, is that you're going to be going into homes. You never know what you're going to be finding. Uh, then you got to find someone, you know, clothes that do fit you. One thing that I would add to, to, um, to clothing is a good belt. So if you are, if you believe that you're, uh, that you're going to be losing weight, one of the things you might want to have is a good sturdy belt. Uh, I did a, a review for uh, the Incredibelt, uh, which is, I, I guess they've, they've rebranded it and it's part of uh, Daltec, uh, uh, Dal Daltec belt. It's a very, very strong and sturdy belt. And this sucker, I've had it, I've been using it every day now, probably for six months now. And I see no no creases in it, no crinkles in it. Uh, it holds up very well, and it's able to, um, you know, if you're going to use it for, uh, if 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 you're carrying uh, a firearm, it's sturdy enough to to keep it. You know, that's one thing that you need to consider that you have a belt that can, uh, you know, withstand a holster, the weight of a holster, and and your firearm. And this one does it really, really well. And I uh, actually, when I did the review, the, the uh, I, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, where I was in my belts. I was kind of like in between of my sizes. And they sent me one that was a little too, too big for for me. Um, but it's just been working, working fine. I just, you know, it's just a little bit bigger, one size bigger than I needed it. But you, you want to invest in a nice sturdy belt that will last and not one that you're going to buy at the department store. Uh, one that, you know, is, is made for like tactical, um, you know, even the, the doll tech. I'll, I'll link to it if you want to go check those out. They wanted me to become an affiliate of them and I just, I just didn't do it. But uh, it's uh, actually I'm going to link to uh, yeah I'll link to the Daltech and uh, just let you see w what they're like I mean great prices and um, uh, and I believe you can find them on Amazon as well so uh, definitely I will link to that one all right so uh, take into consideration clothing you might want to be you know a lot of the times we use up clothing or or, or we uh, we get to clothing and we wind up. Uh, giving them the giving them away to uh, you know like Goodwill and Salvation Army and different places like that, um, but maybe you might just want to put some of those back. Uh, maybe you have a big bin or a big tub, and just understanding the fact that if the poop really does hit the fan, and and you know the world goes the way that we think it might go, then we're not going to be able to go to the store. We're not going to be able to go to Walmart or Target or the or the mall or you know go find. Uh, replacement so easily so you're gonna have to make do uh, with with what you have can you you know can you patch up uh, a hole in some pants can you patch up underwear can you patch up socks can you uh, you know if you needed to make something could you make a pair of pants or, or uh, you know a shirt uh, you know in in those regards so a lot of things to consider there uh, but uh, good good topic to to start thinking about the next article comes to us from the Prepping Guide and uh, thepreppingguide.com and it's how to make your own gas in seven easy steps with a biogas generator. Now, this is one that I have been interested in for a long, long time. 
I've never uh, gotten down to doing it and actually building a biogas generator, but I think that this is something that we should all be doing. I think it's easy enough to be doing. I don't know why we're not doing it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, third world countries that do do it, even uh, other, you know, I know China and in other countries, that, you know, that are not th third world countries, uh, they do it as well. And so I, I don't know why we're not doing it here. Uh, I remember one of the Doomsday Preppers, uh, the guy, if you ever saw Doomsday Preppers, the guy that had the, um, the shipping containers that were built on top of each other. Uh, and uh, so it was like in a square. He had a biogas uh, digester and um, generator and they used it for cooking. And I thought that was great. And I, uh, ever since I saw that one, I was like, man, I'd love to get more information. And so you can hit and miss and you get some good stuff on YouTube. But there, you know, that's that's something that I think, again, uh, should be should be in all of our considerations when we're talking about prepping, uh, especially if we think that it can really, really get bad. And so I'm going to read the article and then I'm going to come back uh, to to my reasoning behind that. So here we go. Growing your own gas is an innovation perfected by people in underdeveloped countries. We look at how they generate biogas and how you can do it too. For Southeast Asians and African countries, blackouts, floods, and going without gas and power is just another part of daily life. To compensate, their normal creations are considered innovations for those of us in more developed countries seeking a way to create green energy and li live off the grid that live that off the grid lifestyle. I have traveled through a number of Southeast Asian countries and one household item that stood out to me was the DIY biogas digester. Making a biogas plant is incredibly easy. I have done it with a very small container as a test and it worked quite well even though my device only used a balloon as a way to hold a small portion of gas without pressure to the balloon. After traveling and seeing these in action, I found this video of some inventive kids that had made a much larger one for a school project. It is cheap to make, easy to keep, and its only output is material that is a high nutrient fertilizer. That's a game changer. So let's look at how it works and how you can make your own in seven easy steps. What is biogas? Biogas is a byproduct gas caused by the breakdown of scraps and waste in a contained space without oxygen. In biogas generators, the process that causes the gas is called anaerobic digestion. If that makes you think of your stomach, then it should because that is exactly what it is, a breakdown of material in an area without oxygen, just like what your stomach does to your food. The types of materials, or fuel in this case, that you can use to make biogas are endless because it really is a stomach that handles anything organic. The most important ingredient to use in a biogas gener generator is manure. This produces the highest level of methane and is why there is a very compelling argument to use biogas on farms with cattle as it puts a renewable energy use to cow manure. Other materials you can throw into your biogas generator can be anything that is an organic material. For instance, you can use grass, leftover meat, old kitchen scraps, noodles, bread, whatever you have, it can go in there. So seven steps to make your own biogas. You're going to need some materials to start with. Some of these you might already have around the house. Some you might have to pick up from a store or online. 
The container, I would go with one of those 20 liter office water cooler bottles if you can get one. This is the smallest I would recommend as my small balloon experiment was pointless other than being a test. In Southeast Asia, there seems to be a very abundant supply of water poly drums. I would, I would say get one of those if you want to run a big supply of gas. Otherwise, a moderate container would just be a simple water cooler 5-gallon bottle. You need PVC hosing to connect from the biogas digester to the gas holder and valve. PVC piping, gas uh, tap valve, a T-valve. It should have three connectable points. A funnel for the scraps and manure. Gas holder. Most of the biogas digester I have seen uses a tire tube. Something you would use in the water when you go swimming. This can be unsafe depending on where you store it as eventually it is going to be full of gas so it will become a highly flammable item. You should be considerate of where you place it as this is a safety issue. Super glue or an airtight sealant. Saw to cut PVC pipe. Black paint for the water container to stop sunlight. You need to measure the PVC pipe against the height of the container. Mark it off and saw it off at the same height as pictured above. This will be the inlet pipe. If you are using the 5 gallon water cooler bottle, you can also put your ingredients in through the top and then keep the cap on the top of it. At the start when you put your manure and water in this, it would be the best place to do that. You will also need to measure out an outlet pipe which would be running horizontally through the container. Measure the PVC pipe at half of the width of the container. This way you can use it as an outlet from the middle point of the container. Mark the outline of the PVC pipe onto the top of the container and on the side of the container. For the inlet pipe, you want to have it located at the top, in between the middle and the outside of the container. For the outlet, it should be about 10 centimeters from the top width of the bottle. You can use the picture below as a reference. Once you have made the markings, cut them out. There are various ways to do this depending on the materials you are working with. The video that I have used as a demonstration from these kids used a soldering iron. However, a drill would also do the trick. When you feed the inlet pipe in from the top, make sure you leave 2-3 to three inches of space at the bottom. This is so inlet waste can drain through the pipe and if there is any blockages, you have space to push the contents down through the inlet pipe. You will also need to do the same process for the gas feed. This would be done in a position similar to the one below. Once that's done, feed the piping through. After you have fed, after you have fed pipes through, we need to airproof our container. So we should be using a sealant like a rubber glue or, a, or as used in this example, super glue with sand. Make sure your pipes are covered on the exposed ends with caps. We only want to open them when we are feeding waste into the inlet pipe or pouring out fertilizer out of the outlet pipe. Don't forget to seal your gas feed hose. Remember the T-valve that we had in the equipment list? Use that on the end of your gas hose. You also need another two pieces of PVC hosing. One of them will connect to the tire or wherever you choose to store your gas reserve, while the other will be attached to the valve. The valve is the end that you will use to cook or to burn off if you are using this merely for the nutrients in the fertilizer. For some people, having this near the kitchen window means that they can feed their gas piping through the window and into a camp stove or side burner so that when they want to cook, the gas is there ready to go. Attach the middle part of the T-valve to your hose that connects to your tube. 
you should have an air nipple on your tube that you can use to feed the gas in. Just leave this on and it will be full in a week depending upon the materials you use in the biogas digester. One hack is also to sit a plank of wood on the tube and eventually set a stone on top of that. The extra weight keeps the pressure of the gas in the tube so that when you are ready to cook with your gas you can release the valve slowly for a good, for a good feed of gas. The last step, use your fuel. I didn't just put this picture of cow poo in here for nothing. It's the best type of fuel for a biogas digester. If you don't have cows around, you can use any sort of manure. Even chicken poo is good enough to get the bacteria working in our digester. Another good idea is to paint your water container black. This stops sunlight, and it's not just an idea, you need to do that, just FYI. This stops sunlight shining into the container, which would otherwise cause oxygen-producing algae. We don't want that. We want a dark, non-oxygen environment like our stomach to get all of the good stuff happening. When you are using your fuel, I would suggest using one kilogram of manure with one liter of water. Let it sit for two days before you add any other things like food scraps or anything else. As a small project, you can get this, give this a go with hardly any cost whatsoever and then increase the size once you get more confident with the process. You can increase the size to however you see fit. As you can see in this video below, villages in Africa are using much larger systems that run on the same principles as this one to provide gas and gas power to an entire village. And don't forget that juicy outlet that works amazing on the crops. Alright, so um, I think that, again, like I said, this is one of those things that if you are in a, a homesteading situation, if you are in, uh, you know, you you're going to go to your retreat, or you you're bugging out, and you have a place, this might be something that you want to consider. Um, you know, I I know like up in the country, so um, we're off grid. So my dad's place is completely off grid. We have a generator. Um, we were planning on solar and battery banks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a generator that is a dual fuel generator. It runs on gas and also propane. Uh, a, one of the big pig bladders that uh, you know we're we're going to have one of those up there, and we're going to run a line to the generator so that if we need to, we can run the generator and we can have power up there. Now, it's not something that you would have and you would run so for constant. Uh, you know, power and electricity. You don't want to. You know, a lot of the times when we talk about going off grid, people are like, I want to maintain my lifestyle and all the power that I have, but I want to be off grid. And there's just no way of doing that. If you're going to go off grid, you got to change completely your way of thinking. So the idea is we go off grid and we have this big pig bladder with propane, full of propane. We have this uh, dual fuel generator. And so really what it would be is, you know, for emergencies, if we needed to, uh, you know, run some lights or something like that uh, in the evening time, uh, if we needed to uh, top off our batteries for whatever reason, let's just say it was a, a cloudy, it's been cloudy for whatever uh, length of time and the solar panels are not charging the battery bank fast enough. Or we need to, like, uh, we have to do some work and we have some power tools that we want to charge up and we want to charge the batteries up. Or something along those lines. We, you know, I, my thing is use it sparingly and make sure that, you know, you use it for what you really need. You just don't want to, hey, I'll just want to cook and, and, and use it for cooking when you have all the wood and you have, you know, all the, that kind of stuff around. But so 
eventually that propane, because I'm always thinking long term, eventually that pig bladder would run out, that propane tank would run out. What would I want to do at that point is I would want to have uh, a way to continue running that, uh, you know, my, my dual fuel propane uh, and gas uh, generator. So I would want to be able to create my own gas using a biogas generator uh, or a digester and feed it into my um, my generator. And so I saw this done with on uh, a video that Stephen Harris did a long time ago, uh, and it was on his website. And I, I don't know if I can find it or not, but he has a, he he has a big uh, he put gas in one of those big weather balloons, you know, and so it's it's kind of up in the air, but he has a tube running from there into his generator and it is and his generator is working and the gas is uh it's it's powering a light, you know? And I thought that that was fantastic. You can make your own gas and you can run your own generator. Now, eventually long term I'm saying I'm thinking long term, eventually that generator is going to die out. But until then, if I can use that that biogas that that would be so great to be able to do that and uh, you know live the best that we possibly could and uh, you know like I said top off batteries and, and power up things that we needed power for and then on the flip side of that let's just say eventually you know the 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 generator does poop out and uh, we still have that biogas digester and we can cook with it so if you have uh, some kind of burner and uh, Stephen Harris did this as well. So, guys, I am going to try to find that just because now I'm talking about it. And, I, and uh, I'm going to try to find that video and I will try to link to it on um, Stephen Harris's site. Uh, so it's been such a long time since I've seen it. But I'll try to do that and put it in the show notes for you so you can go see what I'm talking about. But he plugs it into so this same uh, gas line that he's powering the generator. He plugs it into a little like a propane gas uh, stove and you can cook right off of that you know and so you have that ability as well um, you want to scale this up pretty big so you you know you have that ability to to do that or you want to have a bunch of smaller ones uh, to be able to uh, you know to use at different times as they uh, as they get uh, as they get used up you know and you can have start one and then in a couple of weeks start another one and in a couple of weeks start another one so you can always have the supply of gas coming now it doesn't last forever you know that gas gets used up pretty quickly um, and so that's what I'm saying you want to scale it up as much as possible but this is something that I don't know why we're not doing something that we don't use um, other people in other countries are using it uh, maybe it's because we don't like to deal with poop right we want that we want to get poop uh, as far away from us as possible but uh, this is a very, very viable and easy solution to work with. And, uh, you know, again, after everything is done, you have like a liquid fertilizer that you can use uh, out there in, in the garden. And, uh, and you know, uh, very, very helpful. So um, hopefully that has kind of piqued your interest in biogas generators and uh, wanting to find a little bit more information. There is the video that he's referring to, and actually he, he basically based this whole article off of that video. The video, uh, students are, it's like a uh, Pakistani science club, and it's young kids. They might be middle school, high school age, and uh, they, they put this um, 
this biogas generator together and they see it through all the way through and they actually you know light it up so you see the the flame uh really great you know really great to see that but uh, so you can click on the video and you can go watch this um it's subbed over because uh in english so you'll have to uh just read read what they're talking about but i think you get the idea from just watching them how easy it is and then you can continue searching on youtube and there's tons of videos out there some are better than others but uh you know you get you get the idea of how easy this is uh to do is just kind of playing around with it and testing it out and in finding uh exactly you know how everything needs to to match up in order to get it done and then you can uh you can have uh this gas available to you so that's over at theprepingguide.com how to make your own gas in seven easy steps with a biogas generator all right hey that's it for episode 155 thanks so much for being a part of it and uh listening all the way through again uh thank you for uh the reviews LDS Prepper and Mandy for those comments it really made my day probably made my whole week so thanks so much for that and uh guys if you if you get the chance come and uh drop a comment over at the prepper website podcast.com um i if you leave a comment even if it's not in the most recent episode i still see it because uh it still pops up and i and i get to see it i get to read it and a lot of the times i do respond to you uh you know because you know it's important to me to keep that connection you can also connect with me on twitter facebook and instagram uh if you haven't come become part of the facebook group and uh you know be a part of that email list as well and so with that choose to live a more self-reliant life Choose not to be so dependent on the government, on the grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.